At First Baptist Church, our mission is to follow our Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others to a joyful life with Him. Our hope is that you will encounter Jesus Christ in such a way that you will have joyful news to go and tell. Amen. We now come to our reverse text for this week, and we have been reading together from Acts chapter 2 all week long. And this time, and for the sermon, I want to focus in on one verse of what we have been reading, Acts 2.42. So if you would, find that on your listening sheet, and we're going to read this one verse aloud together. So let's stand, and let's read. This, then, is the text for today. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. May God bless the reading of His Word. You might think that life would have been more different, more separate. You might think that as the early church was forming, Uh, After the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ and and the Spirit comes down upon the church, you, you might think that that early church would be different, more different than it was. Because it it was those Jewish religious leaders that had taken issue with the Christ and, and had come against him in their strength. To, to pull him up to Golgotha, where he might be crucified. So, you, you might think, then, that the early church would move as far away as possible from those Jewish religious leaders. Our, our first thought is to, to live with Christ would be something new, something wholly different than Judaism. But what's remarkable in these texts of the early church in Acts is that wasn't the case. Jesus didn't separate us from them. There there wasn't a, a split between the old and new. We don't have two books, an Old Testament and a New Testament. We have one book with both. The early church, the apostles... They, they understood that who Jesus was, was a completion of the Old Testament. That, that this is, is coming together and that Jesus is a fulfillment of all of it. Jesus was new, but even in his newness, he was this completion of an ancient way of God. See, he, he, was, he was fresh on the scene but had this deep and rich history. Jesus was the Savior that was promised in Judaism. So what happened then in in the early church is, is the Holy Spirit descends down upon that church. This this life with the Old Testament became something new. And and they kept going into the temple, but but there, even in the the temple, there was grand new meaning in all the practices and ways of of that temple. See, what we read in Acts chapter 2 is as the Holy Spirit came into the church as a mighty rushing wind and swept through them, there was a lot that remained the same. 
They, they kept going to the temple. And, and one of the ways of, of that ancient practice of Judaism was for them to go to the, the temple to pray three times a day, often at nine and noon and three, where they would recite the, the prayers there of Judaism. And so they, they kept going to pray with their Jewish brethren. But, but this familiar task came with a new excitement. What, what the, the Spirit of God did was invigorate the church and, and open their eyes to, to the, the grandness of the prayers that were being lifted up in the temple. Their, their eyes were open to this whole new reality of how, how Jesus had unlocked something that had been kept away. When the Holy Spirit took, took root in, in the lives of the early church, this peace, life in the temple was revived in, in a way that brought rejoicing. You see, it's interesting, in, in our text for this week, we see that they together. That's how it starts, Acts 2.42. It starts with the word they. They together in the Spirit. They together of the Spirit. They, they kept going. They, they kept going into the temple day by day. They were going in the temple to pray together. They, they weren't going to proselytize. They were going to commune with God in His house that He had chosen. In, in Acts 2.46, you, you hear a hint of this. Continuing with one mind in the temple. You see, what the Spirit of God inspired in them was, was this continue to pray corporate prayers in the temple. And those, those corporate prayers together, the church and the temple, that they, they had new life. That, that one, one of the things that they saw is as the Spirit invigorated the church, the church couldn't wait to gather together and pray. They, 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 couldn't, they couldn't wait. They, they had this new excitement around praying together. This is one of those things that, that we see as, as the Spirit anoints a church. There is this heart for prayer. This heart for, for prayer together. That's what was happening with them. Daily, they wanted to pray together. You see, it had become common Jewish practice to pray in the temple three times a day. You, you see something similar in Acts 3 where, where Peter and John uh, confront the beggar, right? With that, that line, we know silver and gold have I none, but, but what I do have for you, I, I give to you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. When, when, when they get to that scene, it says they're going to pray at one of these hours of prayer in the temple. Paul mentions a similar thing in Acts 22. He says, I was going there to pray in the hours of prayer at the temple that, that the early church kept this habit, but it was new. And they kept praying, but the prayers had a different heart. You see, this great habit of Judaism, um, it's, it's mentioned in Psalm 55 that, that had been captured by the Spirit of God and it had been placed upon the hearts of the early church. Now, we know these prayers that they were going in to pray. They were set prayers. They were prescribed of, of the Old Testament, of their rabbis, of what they were pray, praying before God. And so, it's important for us to ask this question. Why then 
we've seen the ascension of the Christ and, and, and we see the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the church. Why, in the freshness of the Spirit, would the Spirit connect the church with these Old Testament prayers? Why would the Old Testament prayers be compatible with the Spirit of the living God? And what might happen if we followed a similar pattern? We also see and know from some extra biblical writings, um, say 150 years or so um, after Acts chapter 2, that, that the church carried on in a similar way, but it was modified. The, the church began to lose its connection with Judaism, that, that they weren't welcome. And, and at the same time, the, the temple was destroyed in AD 70 by the Romans. And so after the, the temple is destroyed and there seems to be a disconnect from Judaism, the Christians then took a cue from Daniel. Remember in Daniel, Daniel is in Babylonian captivity. They're not able to pray at the temple any longer. The, the temple's destroyed there too. And so the protocol then was to pray facing Jerusalem three times a day. That's exactly what Daniel did. He went to pray three times a day, and he got thrown into the lion's den for it. And so the early church following that same pattern, after the fall of the temple, they kept praying and in, in some of these ancient church documents we see, one of the things they decided to do, because they were being scattered across the empire as the, the Romans were, were pushing them out, and as the Romans were persecuting them, as the Romans had destroyed the temple, that, that wasn't going to keep them from praying. Though they were faced with great adversity, they would still be on their knees in prayer. And what some of the churches decided to do was they said, we're going to keep praying morning, noon, and night. And, and we're going to pray together the Lord's Prayer. And so it doesn't matter where you are across the Roman Empire. At 9 a.m., we're going to get on our knees and we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer so that God's church would be praying together, all calling out to heaven, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What might happen if we followed a similar pattern. Now, I do want to be careful here because we, we could take this in a way that's not prescribed, that, that we, would, we would assume these things were some kind of incantation. Right? We, we might assume that praying the Lord's Prayer three times a day facing Jerusalem that would then cause God to do something we want. Right? There, there have been some who've said, let's do this so then that we could affect God and God will do what we want. That, that's not the purpose of prayer and that's not what the early church was trying to do. They weren't trying to manipulate God into doing something for them or against the Romans. In fact, it was, there was something much deeper in their prayer life here. See, it isn't in the actions or the words that evoke something of God. Ultimately, what's happening is the Spirit of God has transformed the heart of His church. And, and, and their heart is, is coming in near. 
And, and, and so what, what we find here in Acts 2 is, is that the Holy Spirit had inspired the church to pray together. And this is how they were living that out. You know, and, and that's, what, that's what we long for, that the Holy Spirit would be on us and we would long to pray together. The, the specifics of, of how it's played out are secondary. But our, but our hope is that the Spirit of God would do a similar work here. You see, that's what was different about those temple prayers. They, they were still going together with that old habit but in that old habit, there was a new heart. It's desire to pray together. They went as a group. This is they had done countless times before. But, but now they're, they're praying in the Spirit of God. It, it was more than a prescription. This, this was a transformation of the heart of the church. And I want you to recognize too that the Spirit-filled church of Acts 2 didn't only utilize the prescriptive prayers of, of Judaism. They did, but, but there was more than that. There were, there's plenty of spontaneous prayer, too. Um, we, we see a similar incident in, in Acts 1, where the, the apostles were replacing Judas. The Judas has hanged himself, and, and now they're replacing him. And just, they were fervently praying and they cast lots, trusting that God was going to answer their prayer and show them who the next leader would be. Now, that's prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit. But, but even as we, we look, we come to Acts 2, and then we look past that. We get to Acts chapter 4. It says Peter and John had been in prison, so they're, they're facing this Roman tension still. And as Peter and John are in prison, it, it says then, then they're released, and, and the church comes together and rejoices and, and, and worships. And it says as they gather together in this rejoicing, they begin to pray. The church, the community is all praying together. And it, in Acts 4.31, it says the church is praying, and as the church is praying together, the ground begins to shake. The, the, the earth itself is praying with them and, and begins to shake. And it says their hearts were further transformed so, so that they were encouraged to speak boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ. These lives were transformed as they prayed together. I want you to hear too another. It's the, it's the one Pastor Aaron read earlier in our service from, from Acts 12. So here, Peter's back in prison. Herod has locked him up seemingly to execute him, right? James has already been executed. It tells us in Acts 12 that squads of soldiers gather around Peter. The intention for us to see there is no human way possible out of this predicament. There are Roman soldiers all around him. And, and then we get to that word in, in 12.5 where it says, but... The, the situation looked impossible, but something had happened in the church. And, and it, it says that the church started praying fervently for Peter. And I, I want you to see the, the end of this. Turn with me there. It's Acts 12. And I want to read from Acts 12, 12. So the, the church is praying fervently for Peter. It says when he, re and, and then he, an angel helps him escape. And, and 12, and when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many 
were gathered together and were praying. Verse 13, when he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she didn't open the gate, but she ran in and announced, Peter's here, standing in front of the gate. And she, she's overjoyed. God has answered their prayer. They've been fervently praying through the night. And God has sent an angel and directly answered their prayers to open the prison gates and set the prisoner free. And so keep, keep going. In 15, she doesn't let him in, so Peter keeps knocking. And when they opened the door, they uh, saw him and were amazed. Well, let me go back up. So, uh, verse 15. So, they tell her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting it was so. And they kept saying it was an angel. And he keeps knocking. And, and they, they let him in. What you see is, is the church, as they gathered to pray, incredible things happened. Things that could only be attributed to the hand of the living God. That what we see in Acts 12 is there's no human way possible out of this Roman prison. And what God does for his own glory is to send an angel to open those gates so that Peter could be set free and his name glorified. While the church was praying, what might happen if we gathered to pray in this way? You know, I think it's unfortunate because on some level, I, I think we hope that we could pray somebody out of prison. And so, I mean, that we think that the ultimate goal of prayer is to accomplish something in a future. That there's something that we want out here at a different time, and we hope that if I pray correctly today, that future will be affected and I will get what I want out there. Like seeing some prison doors open. Because th that's what happens in Acts, right? The, the church is fervently praying and wonderful things like that happen. Would that happen if we prayed together? But I want us to step back for a moment out of the prison cell and out of an affected future and look at the heart. Look at what is happening in the church in Acts chapter 2. Because there's some larger scale things happening that are spiritual. And, and these spiritual things happening in the church, these are primary. And it comes well before the miracle. So one, I want you to recognize here that as the church came together in these communal prayers, this new intimacy was forming with God Himself. The heavens had been opened by the blood of Christ and, and God was communing with His church. And, and they were coming into the presence of God daily. And in this daily habit, prayer becomes a familiar setting. And, and in this familiar setting, they're coming nearer to God and, and there's this new intimacy. What's, what's changing is the heart of the people near to God. And, and it's affecting something in them. This is the, the primary effect of praying together. 
The, the, the primary effect of us praying together is this intimacy now in this moment. It's not for something later. It, it's, it's this connection to God right now. And, and it's this connection to God now together. And, and, and we, we get this nearness to God and he produces this nearness to one another. It's like we're living out the first and second greatest commandment at the same time. Where this, this love happens between us and God. And at the same time when we're praying together as a church, there's this outpouring of love and intimacy between one another. And so as they prayed together, they grew together. Prayer built the deepest relationships of the early church. And though miracles might come, the greatest miracle of that moment was a deepening intimacy with God and and the, the church growing nearer in that intimacy. And it was a beautiful and holy thing as they prayed together in that very moment of prayer. So, so recognize this. So the, the Spirit comes on the church. The, the, the church, church's heart is moved towards prayer, and that prayer produces intimacy. Now, there's a couple of things that come out of that intimacy I, I want us to watch for. So one of those, in that intimacy with God, discernment happens. God showed them their way forward as a group. For a, a church... Worshiping the living God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, we know that we never or should never take a step forward without first the prompting of God. That they, they would know in this intimacy a new discernment, that God would reveal a path forward for them together as a church. Like, who, who is the, the one to replace Judas? Or uh, what, what will we do to minister together this very day? See, for the church to plan, the church must pray. And in fact, no planning happens outside of prayer itself. It is only in this context of praying together do we know the course forward. He helps us discern our way together. So you see that out of that, the Spirit comes, the church prays, there is intimacy and out of that discernment. But but there's also another path that you see in there that I don't want us to miss. When when we, we come in near to God in this intimacy, there, there is often with intimacy a, a new repentance. That as you experience the presence of God, inevitably you will recognize your own failure. This is one of the hard things about coming near to God. When you come in near to God, His glory shines so brightly that it illuminates every dark part of your heart and your mind. And on some level, that's scary, that the glory of God will reveal those weaknesses in every temptation that we've ever fallen into. Those are the things that are brought into the forefront when we are near to God, even when we are near to God together. And though that sounds quite difficult, it's the only way forward for any kind of healing. And it's the only way forward for any kind of reconciliation. 
And, and so out of that, what, what you see is, is the, the Spirit brings us into prayer, prayer into intimacy, and, and you begin to see discernment on one hand and repentance on another. And, and out of that, the heart and life of the church is transformed, and there's no telling what kind of miracles you might see. I, I, I hope we, we don't try to prescribe or guess or hope for the miracle down the road, but that we would long for the intimacy with our God together. And the things like in the name of Jesus Christ walk will come. The things like prison doors flinging open will come. Let us pray together now and experience this intimacy with God so He will show us that way forward. Let us experience together this work of the Spirit in our lives in this church today. Let's pray. Our Lord, we love you. That's why we gather to worship, that we, we have a heart that longs for the powerful movement of your Spirit all around us. And Lord, we, we pray that, that in this time your Spirit would move. Awaken us. Give, give new life and meaning to our prayers. Lord, to, to deepen our intimacy. Lord, we, we pray that your spirit would move in the hearts of your church this morning. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.